Okay, so this week is exciting, starting a new series that's going to run uh, for the next six weeks, I think. And the title of the series is God at Work. Um, so we're going to be thinking this morning, um, you see that? Yeah. <laughs> we're thinking this morning about um, our kind of partnership, really, between us and God and how work kind of works. Uh, how work works in our relationship with Jesus. What, what's it all about, sort of thing. In Britain, on average, uh, we spend a whopping 45 to 50 hours a week working. Um, we're one of the most hard-working countries in the EU, and we generally have less annual leave. So that's nice and encouraging. <laughs> and I guess if we added to this our work in the home, Cleaning, maintenance, gardening, changing nappies, whatever we need to do. We really wonder if there's any time left to do anything, in fact. We're so exhausted. Um, And there is a tendency with us, uh, not all of us, but I think I can admit to it too, to still separate um, this kind of part of our life as very kind of mundane. That's just what I do. And then after that, I get to do the good stuff. So I get time to kind of do my spiritual kind of life. And our spiritual life kind of gets squeezed into this little box that we put as activities for God and kind of get to church attendance and prayer meetings and house groups and quiet times and uh, fun days and things like that. And we kind of box this a little bit. Um, It's not unusual to hear people say, oh, look, it works really hard, I'm just going to work really hard uh, for the next few years, and then I'm going to slow down, and I'm going to give more time to God. I heard that? Or, um, I'm just going to do this, when I retire, it's going to be great, I'm going to go and do something for God. Or, um, you can hear people sometimes say, oh, you know, maybe I should just give this up, I'm sure there's more important ways of serving God. Or, I'd like to work for God full time. And I think as a church, we've definitely started to kind of change our thinking on this. I think it would be probably quite rare amongst us to maybe hear people say this now. But it's still uh, surprising how we can get caught off guard. And it is a little bit just lying underneath the surface. So the question we're going to ask this morning is work kind of... Was it meant uh, to be like this? How was work intended? What is work? Um, What is rest? What does God have to say about this massive, massive chunk of our lives that we sometimes dismiss? Is it just a way of paying the bills? Just, I just do it and then it frees me to do something more interesting. Is it something just that we suffer? It's like, well, it's just a reality of life. It's a bit trudgery. Just have to do it. Let's not moan about it. Something better is coming in the future. Or do we, uh, I I find myself often in this camp, kind of narrow it a bit to, oh, it's just a really great opportunity for me to tell people about Jesus. I just want to get in the workplace. And those aren't bad things. But work is bigger than just that. It's more than just an inconvenience. It's challenging. It has rewards. It has highs. It has definite lows. 
And the Bible has to have something to say about this because it's a huge bit of our lives. A couple of weeks ago, we were thinking about commitment, commitment 100% of our lives to God. And uh, Romans 12, verse 1, says this. Um, therefore, brother, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Um, and the important thing is, is that worship here isn't about singing songs. Often we can get a little bit I know I can, a little bit caught up on that. I, I, worship is singing songs, nothing wrong with that, but it's not only that. It, it, it doesn't just begin when we start to sing or when we start to pray. It's when we offer our whole bodies as living sacrifices, and that is completely every minute of our day for his glory. Um, and something I found interesting was that worship... And work, in, in the language that the Bible is written in, is the same word. Very interesting. That's for on the next slide. There you go. Um, often, we can see these two things as a million miles away. How on earth can what I do here, that is so miserable to me right now, relate to the, this other thing? And yet they are the same word. We're created to worship God. But actually we could also say we are created to work for God. And we really need to get hold of this connection if we're going to flourish and begin to find fulfilment and purpose in the kind of mundane work tasks. For example... Um, if you're making pie charts for your boss, you're changing your child's nappy, you're completing records in triplet for the council and people will probably never read them, if you're writing customer quotes, if you're dealing with that same annoying customer every single day, or you're listening to a superior tell you something in great detail, meeting after meeting, that you simply know is not going to work. What are you going to do then? (laughs) And in addition to this, we're bursting with questions like, how should Christians avoid the seduction of wealth? Is it okay to be ambitious? What is calling? Um, Is being committed to my job making it an idol in my life? Am I in the right job? Is there a more useful job I could do? And how busy is too busy? Millions of questions we're going to be thinking about this week in our house group. So if you're in a house group, get thinking. If you're not in a house group, maybe see Dave today and we'll try and get you in one for the beginning of this series. And over through the next few weeks, starting next week, we're going to be looking at examples of people in the Bible, just normal, everyday people, and how they worked and how that was used to glorify God and God was able to use them in that. We want to think carefully about, as Christians, what do we think about work? How are we different from the person next to us who's very nice and is doing everything that we are doing? In fact, they're, they're, um, 
conscientious and they turn up for work on time. How are we different? What is the difference between how we approach work and how they approach work? So we're going to kick off this week by going to the beginning, all right? God's original plan. Now we read Genesis this morning, didn't we? Um, And there we can see that right in the beginning, in God's original plan, there was work. And if we're going to understand what the purpose of work is, how how the practice um, of work is, and what the frustrations we have with work, we need to look at Genesis chapter 1. There's a couple of things I just want to pull out there. We read it already, but if you want to open it in front of you, you can. Firstly, big point is that we see God working. God works. Okay, he spends six days out of the seven working. He is a model for us as a worker. Secondly, he makes stuff, physical things. We can often uh, find ourselves putting this aside because, um, rightly so, we want to focus on God and saying, actually, material things don't matter. And, of course, they don't in one sense. But God repeatedly said that what he made was good and very good. It wasn't just that this stuff was temporary, but it was good. He had made things. And thirdly, he makes God, he makes uh, humans in his image. Now, if we think about his image so far, what have we seen him doing? We've seen him working. We've seen him making things, creating things, bringing order. There's darkness, he brings light. Where there's confusion, he brings order. All these kind of things, model of God, we are made in his image. That's why we get excited when we're creating something, when we're making something. Maybe we're an administrator and we like filing things because we like bringing order into what's happening. Maybe we like designing our gardens and we get really excited about that. It's in our inner substance, our being, what we were created to do is to be like God. And he is seen in these early passages as working And what he makes is very good. We can see Adam, his first job is to classify stuff. He he becomes like a horticulturist or zoologist, I don't know if they're the right words. But um, he starts naming the animals and he starts ordering things and he's put to work. God is kind of like his manager, isn't he? God has started something. And Adam and Eve are to continue the work that God has begun. And we can see, um, finally, that uh, we see the spirit is there at work. And it's the same for us as Christians. We're not on our own. The spirit is there. We see the spirit hovering over the waters, involved in what is happening. And I kind of see the spirit is quite creative too, that we have the spirit of God helping us in our work. So right back here, we see really simply that God, 
that work was God's intention for us right from the start. What does it say? Let us make uh, man in our image um, and let him rule. It's like um, God creates them to do this job to start um, subduing and multiplying and all the stuff that comes. It's God's intention right from the start. We are made in the image of God who works and that we have the spirit who hovers, concerned for us, enabling and supporting. If we kind of put her jobs into a category where it's just about gaining money or telling people about Jesus, those are genuine things. But if we only put them there or we just say, well, it's just suffering until we get to heaven... We've made heaven into this like little Barbados holiday where we just sort of sit and sun ourselves on the beach. And yet it says, doesn't it, we're going to have a new heaven and a new earth and new bodies. Jesus is physical. What are we going to do in heaven? Well, I think we're going to be working. <laughs> Don't be too sad. <laughs> it leaves us in a place when we kind of trivialise work where life, most of it, a big, massive chunk of it, is meaningless. Waste of time. Just something we're doing that has no heavenly implications. That has no eternal implications. And therefore, it's meaningless, it's unfruitful, and irrelevant. Rather than reflecting a creator who is working and creating, and that we're joining him in managing what he has made... We just kind of push it to one side. We need to see it as our daily collaboration with God. And then it won't really matter whether we're managing a household or whether we're managing a billion dollar company. We're still working with God. Um, In Ephesians it says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And I don't know how many of us, when we read that, we get the good works and we think, ooh, that's God's stuff. Or that must be something new that I haven't done before. Some amazing plan that God has for my life now that he's got ready for me. But actually, if you see right from the beginning, we were created to work and to do good works. It's us that walked away from that. When we come back into relationship with Jesus, we get to really experience that work as it was meant to be. Everything that is created, God says, is good. Let's look at some of these jobs and see. Maybe it will bring up something. How would you rate these areas of work? So we've got artist, doctor, stay-at-home dad, teacher, bricklayer, prime minister, missionary. Which would you say is the most valuable in working for God? Now, we might have had a bit of teaching, we might have read a bit of stuff, and might say, oh, I know they're all equally valuable, Louise. But what about deep down? What are we thinking? What about these use of our time? A date night with your partner, designing the garden, a prayer meeting, study of the Bible, filling in tax returns. 
Which is the most valuable use of our time? <laughs> well, of course, the answer does depend, and we need to wrestle with these. We're going to do that in our house groups. We need to really thrash them out between ourselves. But God sees equal value, doesn't he, in many ways, that all of our life is in worship to him, whatever we're doing, even if we're filling out tax returns. The only true divide is between what is, you know, sin and what is righteous, what is right and what is wrong. That's the only true divine. It's us that put all these other things in. Remember the Pharisees who were always going on about how Jesus was drinking and hanging out with single people and going to parties. Oh, we are so great. We just spend our time at the temple. And yet Jesus was really critical of them because he was looking at the heart and how they were doing those things. It's not about what you're doing, but what's going on inside and how you're worshipping God through that. Got um, two quotes. One's from Tyndall. He says, There is a difference between washing the dishes and preaching the word, but as touching to please God, none at all. Quite interesting. C.S. Lewis says, The work of Beethoven and the work of a chairwoman becoming, becomes spiritual on precisely the same conditions that of being offered to God, of being done humbly. As to the Lord. God's kind of calling on a life surrendered to him will elevate even the most kind of boring of tasks to something really beautiful and worshipful to him. And God, we see in the Bible, uses people in so many different situations to further his plans, to bring glory to him, to bless people, from slaves to prime ministers and kings to midwives. And we're going to be looking at those over the next few weeks. Let's look at Colossians 3.17. Familiar passage. We're going to talk about it a lot over the next few weeks. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all, all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Rob was quite excited by this. He said, oh, that means I worship God through sleep. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, Jesus. <laughs> Yet for many of us, you know, let's face it, our jobs don't feel that fulfilling or purposeful or like we're worshipping him. It's not as exciting as if we're caught up in a big praise meeting and we're getting excited. It's tedious, it's mundane, it's boring, it's frustrating, it's stressful. You're living for the weekend or holiday. The evening off would be just amazing. And this is more what it's like before work and after work. And we'd probably be lying if we said, okay, you just have to get your attitude right. And then you'll just skip off to work and be like, praise the Lord every minute of the day. It's tough. You know, we're not in the place we were when we were in the Garden of Eden. That is gone, isn't it? Let's look at what happened. Um, So Genesis chapter 3, we look at the fall. And this is really important as to why we don't get that fulfilment out of work. Genesis 
So in Genesis chapter 3, we see this kind of conversation where the devil brings doubt into Eve's mind. And he is um, questioning and causing her to start to question, did God really say that? And um, we've probably all read that before, that afterwards um, they feel shame and fear, something they've never felt before. Um, And this rebellion causes them to hide from God, to want to run from him, uh, to point the finger at others. Ever been in the workplace where you just want to point the finger at someone else and say, it wasn't me, it's their fault because they didn't fill in that form and therefore I couldn't do my job. There it is, pointing the finger rather than just repenting. And there's punishment, isn't it? We find them outside of the garden. They are separated from God and their heart is restless. Uh, We see, uh, let's read verse 17. To Adam, because you listened to your wife and ate from the tree which I commanded you, you must not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat of it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will bring food. And here now, instead of work being bringing satisfaction and fulfillment and purpose and being an enjoyable thing, it's now frustrating and it's toil each day. Um, man tries to find fulfilment in it. You often see people living for their job, don't you? But deep down, it hasn't quite hit the mark. Because outside the garden, outside a relationship with God, where true fulfilment is found, true rest is found, true purpose, that only goes so far. And so begins God's big rescue plan to bring them back into relationship with him. And as Christians, we've started, haven't we? We've come back into relationship with God. We're starting to know where true fulfillment, true purpose lies. And yet our jobs don't always quite still fulfill us. And that's because we're in the, we're in the now and the not yet, aren't we? We're in that journey. It won't be until Jesus comes back that work really is back in its place where it should be as an expression of worship to God that fulfills us and gives us purpose. But we are on our way. We can find purpose and fulfilment, even in the most mundane of tasks. Even if we're stacking boxes all day or um, you know, just the endless load of washing is just piling up every day, we can find some fulfillment and purpose and that's what we're going to really grapple with over the next few weeks God still commands us that same command to work is still over us Peter remember described us as strangers in the world this is temporary but it's still important you know he still asked them to live godly lives and in Jeremiah when they're sent off to Babylon He doesn't say, oh, just sit around, it's just temporary. But he he gets them into, you know, build houses, settle down, bless the land. You know, if they prosper, you prosper. He encourages them to keep working. 
And we are to bless people around us. When we work well, we bless them. They're blessed, we're blessed. We have a new home awaiting. Yes, we do. But this is still important. We're still here. And when Jesus comes back, it won't be just, you know, well, how many times did you go to church on a Sunday? Or how many people did you leave to Je- lead to Jesus? But it will be about our whole lives. What was it like when you were on the phone to that really annoying customer? How did you respond to them? How did you do that task when you were looking after an elderly relative? You know, where was, what were you doing there? Where was your heart? When you're dealing with a sick child in the night, how is that worship of God? So, that's just to start us off, just to get us going. Um, Colossians 3:22 to 25 is a great place to have a little look at what Paul says to slaves, considered uh, maybe one of the least valuable people in society. Um, he asked them to really think about who their true master is that they're serving. So, what about us? Who are we truly serving? Um, And I'm not suggesting that we all start wearing these (laughs) T-shirts. But we do need to start thinking, really grappling with this massive area of our lives that we can't just ignore or put to one side. Okay. That's all I've got to say today. We're kicking it off. And uh, if you're not in a house group, get in a house group, because that's where we're really going to wrestle with some of these issues and kind of fight it out amongst ourselves a bit. Let's pray, and, um, and then we'll go from there. Father, we thank you that in Scripture we see that you are a worker, and Jesus says, my Father is always at work. Uh, We pray that over the next few weeks, as we dive deeper into the practicalities of this topic of being the employee, being the boss, managing stress, that Jesus, you would unfold your true uh, biblical understanding of work for us, that our heads and hearts would get in the right place, that you would help us to see 100% of our lives as worship to you and and help us to see God how we practically do that not just that we know it but that we actually understand what that looks like that every part of our lives would be worship of you Father I want you to show us over the next few weeks where we've marginalised you or excluded you or rejected you from certain parts of our lives help us to serve you more fully In Jesus' name, amen.